Is a part of why it's so difficult in high school or even in college level is because is it just because coaches just don't know? I don't know how to teach mental skills. I don't know exactly, you know, how to build this relationship because I'll be honest, I have a, a good knack for it, but I was also trained in the military to kind of do human questioning, to read body language, to develop relationships, and then formulate and find information based off of that. Hey everybody and welcome back to the second episode of the Sniper of the South Pole the Old Game. Today we cover mental skills at the high school and college level and why it is so important to build the mental skills foundations in the fall before your team gets too sped up in the spring. This episode is brought to you by Lower 4 Sports Solutions. For all of your sports psychology needs, go to lower4.com. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. We know we did. A lot of training application comes from this episode and we hope you get something out of it. Hope everybody's doing well. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome back, everybody. Today is September 7th, 2022, and this is your second episode of the Sniper, the Southpaw, and the Old Game. Um, We made it to episode two. It's great. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, really enjoyed doing the first episode, and it was kind of just a gateway into getting into some more of the serious topics and really finding a way to hammer home. And, you know, me and Kyle today wanted to make our topic about mental approach and exactly what that is and what that looks like uh, at, at the college level, at, you know, the pro level and even the high school and maybe even below level. What exactly is a mental approach and how do we go about developing it and practicing it and executing it? So we're excited to dive into this. Um, it's definitely something that I think is pretty regularly overlooked. A lot of people would say the game is, you know, over 70% mental, but we don't do a whole lot as far as, you know, practicing and preparing our players uh, to be ready to do and execute those types of mental skills and mental approach. So without further ado, you know, I'm going to start off with a question uh, for you, Kyle. And what exactly is a mental approach or mental skills and how does it apply, you know, at your level as a high school baseball coach? But this game is so easy, man. Like the when you think about how long it really teaches, it takes to teach the rules of the game, to watch the game. I mean, I think that's why you have so many people think that they could play this game at a high level because they can watch it and see how just easy the idea of the game is. And now it, I, I can just go play it. And and you're right. It's so it's all the whole thing is mental. Like like. Yes, it's physically hard to hit a ball, to catch a ball, to to throw a ball hard with command and control. Those are very difficult skills, but they are skills that can be mastered. And we're seeing that we're seeing that more and more each day. The way to develop those skills is the the methods are taking off, and you're seeing it. Exit velocities are through the roof. Pitching velocities through the roof. The athleticism, the movements, everything that these guys can do, even at the high school, college, collegiate level, all of it, or pro level, all of it is through the roof. And yet, there is still that that elephant in the room that the thing that's going to separate all those guys from somebody else isn't what's happening on the field. It's happening in between their ears, and. This is still a thing when you talk about the mental preparation, the mental idea of it, there are still way more questions than answers. And you can have a great conversation about all the different ways that we have to get stronger mentally. We have to develop mentally. We we need to spend more time on the mental game. And and there's a lot of people who do a great job with it, but it's it's the human brain. It's 
people. It's it's working with imperfect, you know, imperfect humans about you know very high stress environments and requiring them to be able to rely on a physical skill and overcome what's going on in their mind. And oh my God, you're like it's enough to make your head explode. It's like thinking about how big the universe is when you start thinking about how to really get to the bottom of it. When you start thinking about it at the high school level, I can tell you this, the biggest problem you have with it at the high school level is kids aren't, they don't allow themselves to be vulnerable enough to take it seriously a lot of times because they're young, dumb, and full of cum, and they think they that anything that they do that's going to, you know, show some weakness or show a mental vulnerability is is they're going to they're going to put up a defense mechanism to that a lot. And so you can do a lot of different mental drills with them, talk about things of that nature, and a lot of times they'll just start laughing or they'll giggle or they'll they'll dismiss it because they're trying to hide their inadequacies, they're trying to hide their deficiencies, they're trying to to cover all that up, and so that's one of the toughest parts is breaking through that part with a kid to let them understand. It's the same thing that we're going through with us in society, right? When you start telling people, Hey, it's okay to not be okay. Like, let's talk about it. That, that just, that's a much bigger issue that spills all the way down to when we talk about athletes having to be vulnerable and be able to accept what they're thinking, to be able to share what they're thinking, to be able to share their fears. Teenage boys. I don't know if you know this, do not want to talk about what they're scared of. And, and, and I don't know that a grown men like talking about what they're scared of either, but you're, you will, that is such a hard egg to crack with a, with a young kid, like getting them to be able to, to open up and share those things. And, and I think the ones that, that you can really build a relationship with and finally get to a place where you can have those vulnerable moments with, that's when they'll start allowing you to be able to share some of that stuff and they'll be able to start accepting it. But, but on the surface, man, that you, it's, it's very, very difficult. And that those relationships have to be really rock hard granted before those kids are even going to let you try to get into on the mental side of it. Well, I'll tell you, and that's a great point. And I definitely have a follow-up question with that, but to address what you just said about the vulnerability and almost the fear of communicating your, uh, your fears and, and your weaknesses, one, some of the strategies that I, I like to use, um, especially when I've haven't interacted with a team or anything, all I'll do is I'll send out a, a, a Google, um, questionnaire. And I'll put like, hey, what is your biggest fear on the mound? And now this is not something that they have to get to tell me face to face. They just got to like kind of write it in their phone, you know, because it's on a Google questionnaire. Uh, hey, what is your biggest fear on the mound? Like what's your best pitch? What's your worst pitch? You know, how many ki- how many siblings do you have? All this stuff, right? You kind of just blend it in with a, a myriad of other random questions and you kind of hit them with like, what's your biggest fear on the playing field, right? And that kind of is a, a tactic to get past maybe the, a little bit of that barrier. Um, I've also identified that you're 100% right. In my opinion and in my experience, mental skills has to be one-on-one. It's a one-on-one endeavor. It's early oh, morning yeah. Yeah. It's early morning breakfasts. It's late night dinners. It's bringing a guy to Jamba Juice, you know, getting just – uh, it's got to be one-on-one and one of my biggest strategies knowing that knowing who men are because you want to talk about vulnerabilities i mean try to get a bunch of force recon marines to tell you what they're scared of as their leader to figure out like what your gaps are and you're gonna have a hard time like you got to find ways to whittle in there yeah and, and I, I i think also and i know you know this but you didn't say it like i don't think that that can those conversations can happen 
while you're still in the high stress of the environment. Like you can't pull a kid after he strikes out looking on a fastball that's cocked. You can't pull him into the dugout five seconds later and talk about the mental side of it because his brain is such a piece of goo at that moment that any kind of you, you want to be able to get in there right now and save him right now, but that he's not in a position to let you. Like those are conversations that happen have to happen the next day. You know, and, I, exactly. I'll tell you this though, and that what, I got to stop you because. You're exactly right. And this is, in my opinion, the flaw of the coaches is because, again, we put mental skills and mental approach to the side. You're not going to question, you're not going to make a comment on a kid's mechanics mid game, are you? Like, no, oh, you're, not. you're screwed if you do. Right. Well, exactly. You, what you should have done is you should have worked in the fall and the offseason and the preseason to get him in the position that he needs to be in order to be successful mechanically. It's the same thing in the mental game. If you're a college coach right now or a high school coach, you need to be working on your relationship and your mental approach with every one of your players today. If you start in January, you need to start today because that is not something that is built quickly and it is very difficult to master and guys need to start practicing it now. And just to kind of finalize my thought on what I was saying about one of my strategies is the first thing I did uh, last year when I was working with the University of San Diego was I found the best player or who, you know, obviously was the best player from the year before. And I made sure to do my first mental skills meeting on the baseball field, you know, just kind of after practice. And guys saw me meeting with him one-on-one. Everybody mm-hmm. was doing their field jobs, seeing like, damn, that's the best player meeting with him, talking about his vulnerabilities, talking about what he fears and doing his mental skills approach. And I think that's just another little trick to kind of get that buy-in. Kind of make it where they can't hear you, obviously, but they see me walking around the outfield with them walking the warning track going, damn, okay, like Josh is, you know, meet with him. Like, okay, yeah. you know. I'm, He's coming for me at some point, yeah. Right, or, but but that was the thing. Yeah. Another another part about it, and this You're is – You're playing a yeah. But you know me. I'm big about adult learning theory and how we as adults learn and retain information. If you don't want to learn – you will not learn. And I'm sure you know that as an educator, right? Like your brain turns off and you will not learn. So for me, I used to remind guys weekly, but I told them, hey man, I ain't trying to sell you anything that I have. If you want to get better in the mental uh, realm, you want to have tools that are going to make you more successful, sign up on my my weekly roster and we'll definitely get a one-on-one at one point. But I am not going to be the one that comes to you every week saying, hey man, you know, you're batting 250 or 200. Are you sure you don't want to meet with me? That's not my job. Your job is the one to get better. I'm just the one that's going to facilitate it. Yeah, I can't tell you how many high school coaches I've talked to because there are there's really good college coaches that have shared a lot of different mental exercise drills, different things. Um, Jeremy Sheetinger at, at Georgia Gwinnett is a guy who puts a lot of stuff out on the internet about the different uh, mental skills that they're doing, and 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 he's got a big following amongst. all coaches but really specifically high school coaches and then you talk to some of these high school coaches who they can't get the same result they can't get the same uh they can't they can't get that by going back to what i you know i originally started with and it's it's because if if yeah if you don't want that or you want to try to push it away like there's a zero percent chance and i think that coaches will frustrate themselves continuing to go back to that well on a person over and over and over and over again to try to build these mental skills, build that mental development, build that relationship, and the player doesn't want it. And coaches will go absolutely crazy trying to figure out why is this not working for us, why is this not working for us. And the 
quick and easy answer is the kid doesn't want it to work for you or he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't understand the value in it because he's still in a place where his brain is being triggered by his amygdala which is telling him you know it's 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 emotional responses it's passion responses it's excitable responses that's what's controlling his brain and in his mind it's got to be all about my success, my ego, my flash, my shit, like the, my show that I'm, the things that I got going on for me, it's got to be about that piece of it. And they, they really, I, I think it, 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 and I don't even know that it's their fault. It's, it's so uncomfortable for them because of just where they are in their lives, man. It's, that is hard for grown men to really get into that. And like, again, uh, those kids, they, they're, they're not comfortable with that. And so before you can even start the mental piece of it, how can you get in there and break down that wall to let them know that this is something that a can help them, but B that if they really, if they, they've got to be able to really decide that they want it first. It can't just be, you know, it can't just be for show. Right. A hundred percent. And you know, one of my follow up questions was going to be, um, is a part of why it's so difficult in high school or even in college level is because is it just because coaches just don't know? I don't know how to teach mental skills. I don't know exactly, you know, how to build this relationship because I'll be honest, I have a, a good knack for it, but I was also trained in the military to kind of do human questioning, to read body language, to develop relationships, and then formulate and find information based off of that. And I'll tell you, my first meeting is always, I'm trying to get one thing out of them. I'm trying to get them to admit their biggest fear in person, right? They've already wrote it down on the questionnaire, which is great because big thing for me is I do the questionnaire and then I know where they're from, how many siblings they have. So I have a bunch of talking points. So the way that I always started my, you know, uh, my first meeting with these guys and their mental skills and, and discussions is I just ask them about, Hey man, what's your major? Where are you from? I saw you're from Ventura County. How, what was that like? Hey, I saw you're from, you know, Arizona, Phoenix area. Like what was it like growing up there? How was high school? Who's your coach? You know, and I just get them comfortable, right? Get them talking about themselves, let them feel comfortable because people inherently do want to talk about themselves. But like you were saying, they get a little bit reserved. So let them talk about themselves, about the things that it's easy. Hey, where I'm from, why, how do I enjoy growing up? Like, what's my, what am I majoring in or what's my favorite subject or, you know, whatever. Right. And then as I slowly get to the end of our meeting, which is usually like an hour long, I'll work in like, so, you know, you know, what concerns you about the game? What makes you, you know, a little uncomfortable? You know, I feel like you're a pretty squared away guy. You know, I'm just kind of curious on, on, um, on what, what maybe is your biggest challenge or what do you want to work on the most this fall or this preseason or this year? Like kind of op- get them to, again, get comfortable by talking about themselves and then open them up to a vulnerable question and, and see how they respond. Right. And then I always take note of that response because that's going to be the, the, the premise of my next meeting is meeting this fear, overcoming this fear. You know, a lot of guys they get, especially at the college level that I ran into last year is guys get so caught up with their summer ball numbers, man, I hit three thirty in summer ball, man, I did so good in summer ball. Like I'm just trying to carry that success into the fall. or I'm just trying to carry that success. It's, and then they put that self, pressure on them. They put that pressure on themselves and then they don't, they don't know how to manage that pressure because now they're back into, you know, game mode or the pressure's back on and they don't have that mental standing where they can manage it appropriately. And it kind of, it kind of takes control. So going back to my question, do you think a big part of it is that coaches just don't know how to really execute the development of a mental approach or a mental skill? Yeah, maybe because 
so so for starters, guys who coach at the high school level, they're the biggest thing that they want to do is they want to build kids. I I mean they pay us nine dollars a year. And most guys do it with a smile on their face because they're in it for kids. They're in it to have that impact. They're in it because another coach at, at some point in their life had that impact and they feel like they owe it to the next generation. And and so so you have – you do have – I would say the overwhelming majority of high school coaches do want to have that holistic approach and build all phases of the young man. Now, but when you're a high school coach – Dude, think about everything that you're doing. You're teaching. You're driving the bus. You're making the practice schedule. You got to be the weightlifting coach. You got to be the tutor. You've got to do all the field maintenance. You're doing. You're the fundraiser guy. You're the parent liaison. You're 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 doing all of these different things. And when you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none. And so, and it's not like high school programs have the 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 time or resources to be able to really bring in outside parties that maybe are really phenomenal mental skills guys there there are guys that can do that and there's i know like in dfw where i'm at there's there there are some good mental skills coaches that that do a great job and and high school programs will build bring them in but they'll bring them in for you know a day maybe two days maybe maybe they're part of their program but it's hard for those guys to be there every single day because they're, they're working with a lot of different programs and because they're, you know, they're a third party uh, outsource resource. And so, um, you know, I, I think it becomes, it does, it becomes really, really difficult to figure out how to build all that in with all the other things that you're already doing. And what do we do? We're just going to fall back on the, well, this is, this is a very difficult thing to do to build this aspect of a kid, especially when we know that this part of the kid is going to relate to success on the field. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find the nine guys who are closest there already and roll those guys out there and they're going to give us the best chance to win. So we're, we're going to, we want to be able to do that. We understand the importance of it, but a lot of times push comes to shove and you're just going to, you're going to roll with the guys that are already the closest there. The ones that, the, the, the ones that are the most emotionally, mentally, physically mature, the ones that already do have enough confidence to believe that they're going to be able to get it done on the plate. And, 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 and yes, we might have an impact on all that with the conversations that we have, with the drills that we do, with the things that we have to do. But ultimately, that's coaches are going to tell you that, hey, I got to find nine guys. You know, I got 30, 40, 50, 60 to choose from. I just got to find nine that can that can get it done for us. And the reality is that's that's kind of the choice that we're left with because of everything else that's going on. And maybe the, the lack of, maybe the lack of knowledge and understanding, like you're saying, because I would imagine very few high school coaches, college coaches, professional coaches have advanced level degrees in behavioral sciences or psychology or, you know, mental skills and stuff like that. And so you, you also get caught in a place where you don't necessarily know what direction you need to take a kid in with that. If you're really trying to hammer that out. So yeah, there's a lot of things that, that I think can maybe, can hamper that development from the coaching side. Yeah. So, I mean, I completely understand exactly where you're coming from about that because, you know, you're my brother. We, I know how much you put into this work and, and, and how hard it is and you're constantly gone, you're scouting, you're doing this, you're doing that. You don't have a whole lot of time. Like you said, you're driving the bus. Now, what about, again, we go back to the original statement. Baseball is like 70% mental. So now what if we did something where, Hey, you know, once a week in the fall or preseason seniors, you're going to run practice and the two coaches or the one coach, how many coaches you have are going to run mental skills 
uh, evolutions today. And we're going to meet one-on-one during practice with as many guys as we can that day. And we're going to try to get, you know, multiple round robins where it's like, Hey, once a week's mental skills day where the seniors are running the BP on the field, they're doing live D they're doing uh, pop fly communication. They're working through the drills that we want to do. They're running the cage and the coaches are, I got one in each dugout and they're sitting there doing 20 minute you know, sessions with the, with the guys and they're slowly working their way through it. Uh, what, what does that, what does that look like? So every, the way you just said that sounds phenomenal. And every coach that hears this would be like, Oh my God, that is a brilliant idea. And it's a brilliant idea on September 7th, 2022. Once you get to that January, February, March, you start getting into the season, that panic comes over you as a coach and not only know if panic's the right word, but that urgency that you – it's really hard to surrender some control to – hell, sometimes it's hard just to surrender that control to assistance, um, much less the kids. And, and it's not that you don't trust them. It's just that you know that if, if you don't produce, if you're not successful and your your job is going to be on the line, especially in you know big schools in Texas, um, it's, it's hard – to once you're in that moment and the bullets are flying per se, uh, it, it's hard to surrender that. I think uh, not to say that's not a great idea. It is a, it is a great idea, but that takes a lot of our own vulnerability. It takes a lot of our own vulnerability to be able to decide that we're okay with doing something like that. But I, I do think that if you can let that go and get to that point, then man, you might have something. But again, that's what we're talking about. As far as you've got to start, like you said, you got to start today. Um, You've got to you've got to build that all the way through uh, from now into your preseason and all the way through until uh, you know you're in the season because you have to build that foundation. You have to have that, or otherwise you're going to get caught up in it, just like anything else, man. I mean, if we didn't practice hitting until the day of the season, <laughs> I'm going to be pretty worried about hitting, and now it's going to be something that you know I've got to worry about and focus on. So again, I, I think. Uh, it's it's so important to to start that mental approach now to get in there and and build just step by step just a little by little having those meetings having that time uh, during practices because again I got it I know there's no time there's never time uh, you're always going to have that issue but if I can chip away and even get like you said three or four guys that aren't my normal studs that aren't the guys that I always rely on that I'm just trying to hopefully throw in the best dudes, then maybe, just maybe I have a chance of developing these guys to be the caliber that they need to be to get into the playoffs or to go deep into the playoffs or even get to a point of, of winning a state championship or a national championship. And, and especially at the high school level, it's so difficult with your manpower requirements. But again, I think like anything, change is hard. But it's oh, so- yeah. And that's the biggest thing. That's the it's it's the fear of the unknown, right? Like I think anybody listening to it would say yes, yes, yes. But then when you get in that moment, we we're gonna fall back to our comfort zone. Like that's that's human nature, right? And if and especially if you're feeling pressed, whether it's whether it's a real pressure or self inflicted because you as the coach are responsible for what's going on in the program and you 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 feel that responsibility and the and what comes with it is it we're we're going to fall back into what we what we truly believe works or what we know in the past works and and coaches are very much um i mean i think as much as anybody or or a lot of really good coaches are comfortable you know getting outside the box or trying new things but i also think that uh 
that we all we all still live in that fear of oh man if if this is bad or this doesn't work and and we lose time we lose we lose out on something then it can you know they can it can it can hurt the team right we 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 always think about what we can do to make the team better but we also always think about what would what could screw us up and make us worse and and so i think that that's that's a real fear i think for a lot of a lot of guys in this profession but like i said right now i mean it sounds great and you've got to be able to get guys if you're going to get a coaching staff to commit to something like that then you you've got to start deciding on september 7th that you're going to do that no matter what when when it does come time to to have to go out and do that so what does a coach need then? What do we need to do to to get that buy-in? What what would somebody need to do to get the buy-in from a coaching staff? Because the way I'm looking at it, and, and again, it, it goes down to the the change is hard. It's not easy. It is it is something though that once you can do it and build your you know your routine and and get comfortable with it, you know, success. Just like we talked about. Me and you were talking about the other day about Nick Saban, right? I mean, what does Nick Saban do to be successful with, with different coaches and different players? And and you even said yourself, like, hey, this solution, the answer is easy, but the application is hard. And it just comes down to, you know, are you willing to take a risk and are you willing to put in the effort that it takes to, you know, kind of change up what it is that uh, you normally do? And I honestly believe, like, again, it, it – you know me. This is why I'm the sniper on the on this podcast. Is is the different pers- the different perspective? And for me, all these guys talk about the game being mental, but don't do a damn thing to to prepare themselves as coaches or prepare their pl- prepare their players uh, to execute on that mental stage. No, I mean that, that's exactly right. And and I don't want I don't want it to sound like I'm speaking for an entire industry, sure, sure, entire sure. profession. I mean, I. And I just know from my own feelings, like if if we're going to do something different, then I, I start building my mind up for that way in advance. And so I think it's about, you know, it's it's convincing guys way on the front side. When, you know, you think about like when like baseball clinics are right before the season starts. And, and, and like in Texas, we have a, a an absolutely incredible baseball coaches, baseball association, and they put on. I mean, a top tier, top level clinic every single year and guys go with just yellow pads falling out of their bags and they're getting so many notes and so many good things are happening. And and then, you know, you, you look up and you're like, you, you're like, man, I can't. I can't squeeze all this cool new stuff in. I can't, I can't get this in in this short amount of time. But a lot of guys have already written out practice schedules and started their installs for their first couple of weeks and stuff like that. And I know like personally, a lot of times I'll start thinking about the stuff like if we have a baseball season starts, you know, the end of January, early February here in Texas, and we have a coaching clinic, our, our clinics are in January. A lot of it that I'm going to learn in those clinics is going to be stuff that percolates and marinates in my head for the next year. And we're going to install it a year later, uh, just because you start, you start getting more comfortable with it in your head as time goes by, as opposed to feeling like you got to get it in in a rush. Um, and so, so I do. I think it, it just goes back to how early can you start getting guys to realize that that, that a there's a tangible plan and a, a blueprint of what kind of program we're going to use. Because again, when you speak in hypotheticals, like you know, we got to do better mental training. We got to get to these kids. We got to get them to understand how it affects their performance. And everybody's like, yeah, of course we do. And then it's the okay, what do we do? What does that look like on a calendar? What does that look like with the 
manpower that we have, what is it? How does it all fit into what we're trying to do? I think that's where you can get you can get lost and kind of bogged down in the we we can't squeeze all this in, so we're not going to just stick our toe in the water with it. We're just going to move on with what we already do. I again, um, I can only speak for conversations that I've had with coaches. I know the things that I think myself, I, I don't, I certainly don't want to speak for an entire industry, but I think a lot of people, again, I've already said it, it goes back to falling back into that comfort zone because at least in my comfort zone, I know what it exactly is. I'm trying to get out of it and know exactly how to evaluate it. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Cause here's kind of how I would approach that is like you said, you don't have a lot of time and you don't want to take a lot of risk. And sometimes you might not even be sure, but for me, you know, being able to talk to an athletic director and say, and, and you know, he asked you, Hey man, you missed the playoffs this year or Hey, you know what happened? Let's talk about the season or whatever. And you can just say, Hey, you know, I kind of took a chance. I prioritized a lot of our, our mental health and a lot of our mental skills. I, I, we worked with the players pretty heavily on uh, doing that and kind of going through how we get them mentally prepared for games, not only games, but getting them mentally prepared for life, how to manage the classroom and the field um, and doing all this stuff. And, you know, Hey, we didn't necessarily get the wins that we wanted this year, but we're building the foundation for success in the future. Because again, it goes back to, you know, your mentor, coach Robichaud and, and, and a guy that you really looked up to. And, and it just goes back to, Hey, we're, we're trying to build good human beings and set people up for success as, as good husbands and brothers and sons and, and all this other stuff. And for me, a lot of that goes into that mental approach because I'll, I'll be honest, you know, like I, I got kicked off of my high school baseball team. I didn't have a whole lot of understanding of how to handle my emotions and understand how to, you know, step back, take a breath. And like you're saying, remove the amygdala from this situation and allowing myself to, to think with my prefrontal cortex and have some rationale to it. I didn't have those skills. Nobody taught me yeah, that. I was a teenager does. Right. Absolutely. But what we can do as the adults that do have them is we can guide them through the feelings and the emotions that they are having. And we can help them understand what it is because, you know, I, I said it in uh, another podcast was, you know, Hey, a lot of guys don't like to compare sports with war. Oh, I try not to stay in the battle analogies or the war analogies. And I always used to tell, uh, you know, coach Ungrich and the staff at USD, I'll tell you, man, that the chemical release that a kid is releasing in the batter's box in the bottom of the ninth with a guy in scoring position is the exact same thing that I'm releasing when I'm getting shot at. His adrenaline is going through the roof. He is in fight or flight mode and he is just, his body's begging him for a response. And if he doesn't understand what's going on and he doesn't understand how to control that, it's going to overwhelm him. And he's going to be that guy in the foxhole that's sitting there crying in the world war two movie versus the guy that's saying, Hey, we got to get up and fight. We need to flank. We need to get a machine gun up. Like that is the difference between those two human beings and really it comes down to just knowledge teaching them that they're going to experience this just like we raise our kids right hey you're going to fall off your bike but that's okay we're going to get you back on your bike we're going to we're going to help you get back on and we're going to get you moving and we're going to get you going right and it's the exact same thing with the mental approach and how we can get these kids trained up and i know it's a risk because it's also something a lot of people aren't doing and I still think we're on the forward edge, or, uh, the beginning edge of a lot of the mental skills in sports, um, attacking it. But again, when you can unlock a kid's potential by allowing him to just be subconscious and, uh, and allow his mental state to go into that flow approach, that's when we're going to get the most out of our players. And I think, again, it goes down to developing, practicing, and executing. So I'll ask, I'll ask you this. With what you do have now, how do you develop a mental approach with your players going in from September 7th 
to the season. I think you have to develop their skill to a point that's that's so strong to where they feel confident in their skill, knowing that they're playing a sport where there's going to be a lot of failure, that they feel good enough about their knowledge of the game, their, their, where, their, where their body is, where their performance level is, to where if you can get them comfortable with that and then just send them out to go play and then whatever, convince them that, hey, we've done the legwork, we've done the training, you're ready to go, you're ready to be able to deal with whatever happens, to be able to create that confidence in them. And a lot of it, again, it goes back to a lot of times as coaches, we're, we, we're going to piggyback off of some of the some of the the tools that they already have either innately or what they've, you know, what they've learned from, from their parents, just their life experiences, the confidence that they already have, the, the, the trust that they have in themselves because they've put in the time, effort and work and they believe in themselves. But uh, just getting to that point to where you can uh, really send them out and, and they feel okay about whatever happens because they know that they've put in the time and, and you've, you've done everything you can in practice situations to, to create as much pressure as you can to see how they're going to handle it, to be able to, to walk them through it. Once you see their, once you see it, like I said, in a practice scenario where you, once you see their struggles, once you see the things that they have a hard time with, and then you can start isolating those issues down to each kid. And that's where the outfield conversations take place where, you know, I'm not afraid to call a kid like or send a kid a text message. Hey, you know, swing by my room before fourth period. Let's talk for four or five minutes. You know, uh, you start having those kind of conversations and just talk about little things and just plant those little seeds where you can, how you can, when you can, uh, because you know that they're not just getting it from us. They're they're they have a lot of they put a lot of pressure on themselves. They feel it, especially like at our level, they they all think they want to play in college, and so they feel like that everything that they have to do has to be almost like coordinated and part of like a marketing plan to get them in front of the coaches that they want to play in front of the programs that they want to be a part of. Uh, and so these kids, they become so wired, so tight to try to, to fit themselves into this, this image that they think that they have to be and have to carry themselves to be, to, to be able to play at that level. And so you got to be able to get them to let that go a little bit to where they're just competing and just playing and just getting to that mind of, again, we're staying in the moment, whatever happens, happens. But I think, you know, parents spend, this is a sport, God dang, their parents spend tens of thousands of dollars all the time, just families hemorrhage money for their kids to be able to play this game. And, and so I think kids will feel pressure from that. I think parents will inadvertently sometimes create pressure on their kids. If a kid's not performing, not playing well, those parents are going to, they're also thinking about all the time, effort, energy, money that they've spent. And now they're not getting a result on their investment, even though that's a crappy way to look at it. I think that's, that's part of the human nature of it. And so there's just a lot of, there's a lot of voices, a lot of pressure, a lot of things coming at these guys. And you've our again, our job is to try to center them and try to get them into a place to where they can stay in the moment, relax and just go play. And again, it's, it's man, it's different for, it really is. It's different for every single kid. I, you were saying something before and it made me think about how many times has a parent spent 50 to a hundred dollars for an hour long hitting session with Johnny, the local hitting guru, when they could have taken that hundred dollars and sent them to a sports psychologist and let, you know, let dad just throw a few, you know, BP fastballs to John, you know, to the kid when he, whenever he gets a chance. And, uh, 
you know, how much more money should we be spending developing that side of it as opposed to making sure a kid gets his hands to the front and his swing and is being, you know, can hit the ball to the right center cap. And it's like, well, we spent a lot of money on that part of it. And we spend zero dollars and zero cents as parents, as coaches, you know, developing the piece that we're talking about tonight. And it's, it's, it made me, it makes me chuckle thinking about it. Like, and I've got, I've got, you know, I've got a seven-year-old son, a five-year-old daughter, and a three-year-old son. And, I mean, we're still trying to figure out, you know, how to wipe our butt real good. So we're still a long ways away from, you know, them feeling that pressure from that athletics might provide. But I'm starting to think when they get to be 12, 13, 14, if they're really serious about this or another sport, my money's going to be better, well-suited spending than send them to see a sports psychiatrist or somebody to, or a mental skills coach, as opposed to another BP session or another pitching drill or another, well, anything like that. So it's, it, it's intriguing to me. I got my head spinning right now. Just thinking about that piece of it. Yeah. Cause I mean, a hundred percent, the body, the body physically can, can master things relatively quickly, especially at such a young age. A lot of these guys in high school, their brains are still so mushy. They're still so uh, – they, they learn things so quickly, right? And so – Their bodies are ready, a lot of them. Right, you know, right their exactly. Their still children. Right, absolutely. So they – if anything, they need a lot of the, the development to come mentally just because it's awareness, it's acceptance, and it's understanding that, hey, man, what you're going through is all right. And, and I'm not saying we're going to fix it, but I'm going to help you understand it because the faster our brain can come to grips with what's happening, the faster it can move on. So it's like a breakup, right? If a guy breaks up with his girlfriend and he's got, you know, he's all caught up in it and everybody says, Hey man, you just got to forget about it. Like, don't worry about her, but he can't, he can't let it go. He can't get closure. That's what we're trying to do with any situation, whether it be going over three or, you know, giving up a home run or whatever. It's the exact same emotion that you're feeling is the faster I can get my brain to closure and the faster that I can develop the mental skills and the tools necessary the better off I'm going to be. The, sh- the bad thing about this though and the hard thing about mental skills is it can never be cookie cutter. It's all individual based. Everyone's brain's different. Everyone applies things differently and that's where that relationship and that one-on-one approach and understanding why a guy ticks. That was another question that I used to always ask was, why do you play baseball? And I want you to think about this. I'm asking you like all the way down to the infancy of the love. Like did your dad love Nolan Ryan and you wanted to be Nolan Ryan one day because your dad loved him and you loved your dad? Like if it's that, I want to know. I want to know what makes you tick and why you choose to come out of the field every day. That is the type of intimate relationship you have to have with a player in order to be able to connect with him on a mental level, especially talking about his vulnerabilities and his ability to overcome that. Because I want to let him know, hey, man, your dad, he's going to love you no matter if you throw like Nolan Ryan today. Does he, Do we all want you to throw like Nolan Ryan? Absolutely. But guess what? If you Nolan Ryan gave up home runs, Nolan Ryan walked people. But I need you to understand who you are today. And I need you to understand that we're going to apply the techniques and the tools that we've developed for you in order to be successful, to anchor yourself to your mental skills and your mental tools, to understand what the baseline of the game is going to be. Because like you said, it's an easy game, right? But anything mental is difficult. I get frustrated doing the dishes. If I drop a fork on my foot, I, you know, I'm all rattled, right? So everything can be easy, but it's how I can take a breath activate my prefrontal cortex and allow my rationale to take over and say, Hey, this is the moment I'm going to have. Let's allow my body to react subconsciously. So here's the million dollar question I think is how do you, how do you convince a kid who spends so much time 
working on his skill, working on the game, studying the game, trying to, you know, trying to train his body, trying to train his mind, trying to understand all the aspects that come with the, the nuances that come with this game. He's doing all those things. And how do you get him to believe that his identity is not tied to this? Because I think that that's the hardest part is, is kids that, that are successful at this know that the result of the game, whatever it might be, is going to be okay because their identity is in something else. And the kids that really struggle with it are the ones that they so much tie their value and their worth to their performance. And they're doing it in a game that will kick them in the balls twice be, you know, and, and so it, it's, I, I think that to me is the, is the, the hardest challenge is, is being able to get them to, to separate the two things. And, and my identity, I do all those things. I do that training. I do this. I work my body, I work on my body, I work on my mind. I do all these things, not because I'm a baseball player, but because I'm a competitor, because I have a warrior spirit, because I'm always, I'm pursuing greatness. And those are things that you can tie your identity to that aren't necessarily, they're not necessarily part of the game. They're just, the game is just your current outlet for that. And so again, that's a hard sell on somebody. It's a hard sell to tell a kid. That's a hard sell to tell their parents that because you know, all these parents think their kids are getting college scholarships or going to play D one and they've spent all the time and the sweat equity to go into it. And, and, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars as an investment in that. And, and man, like it's not the baseball that matters. It's, it's baseball is just the medium for what matters. Yeah. And, and honestly, you got to change the status quo. The status quo is built to make you think that way. We have letterman jackets with your numbers on it. Guys call each other by their numbers. Um, that's self-identifying. You're already self-identifying a guy by his baseball name, which is his number. Like, hey, what's up, you know, Sev? What's up, you know, two five? What's going on? Like, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's like that right. high school level, but that's definitely what no, it's like at the college it's, level. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, sure is. Uh, you know, like we're not even putting our names in our gloves. We're just putting our numbers, and what, what? It's like your slave number. It's your. It's, it's like your athletic slave number that it's been associated to you. Like, hey, put this number on your uniform. That's who you identify now. Like, no, the status quo has to change. And one thing that I like to look at it, and and how you're saying, how do we show that you're not just an athlete? And and what. You know, I saw Brock Ungrich do at the University of San Diego last year really kicked, you know, hit home for me was a ton of community outreach, ton of it, right? Doing volunteer hours with, with uh, you know, kids with Down syndrome, ALS, going to Little League teams and, and going to Little League practices and just making face and doing stuff like that. Being able to put yourself out there and to show these kids that they are more than athletics and show them that athletics can create more opportunities too to help people. So yeah, you're an athlete. It's okay to be an athlete. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But you're also a human being first. And that human being aspect of you allows the athlete to be, you know, do community outreach and and show up and help people that are in need and to be that physical warrior to one day protect your family. Like all this stuff could go into, hey, why am I in the weight room? Well, I'm trying to hit 300. I'm trying to get big. It's like, well, you're also trying to create a body that's going to one day protect your family. Like that's important too. And it's just, again, I think it comes down to 
uh, awareness and being able to communicate to these players like, hey, man, you're not just a baseball player or you're not just an athlete. But we've got to also allow them that time. Another thing Brock Unger used to do was like, hey, Sundays, they're off, right? Sundays and Wednesdays, you're off. Take that time to go be a, be a college student. Go have fun with your friends. Like have that time to develop the relationships outside of the game to prove mentally again that I'm not just a baseball player, man. I've got friends. I'm a boyfriend. I'm a, I'm a son. I'm a best friend or whatever. Like I've got all these other things going on in my life and I really need to take advantage of it. Um, but again, so – what do you think? So going back to the development question, do you think that and, – and my personal opinion is I honestly think baseline education would be super important. I think – and this could be something where it's just like, hey, again, it's not one-on-one. But at the beginning of each of your falls, your preseasons, you throw up a slideshow that just kind of does a breakdown of what the mental approach is and what the mental game is. And just have it as like an education piece. There's, It's not a two-way communication. It's just kind of – fire hosing with information, even though that's not my preferred method, but just throwing it out there and allowing guys to understand what it is and to wrap their brain around it. Because I completely agree with you that you need to master and not master, but you need to be pretty good at the physical game before you can attack the mental approach. Because again, if I'm a subconscious driver, but I'm a shitty driver, I'm a shitty subconscious driver. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if I've allowed myself to to not think about driving. If I'm not very good at driving, I can't think – I can't do – right, exactly, right? So – but what about this? What about freshmen being required to do charting at a varsity game or have to listen in on the, the – you know, the – sit next to the coach to be able to hear what he's talking about and thinking about with the game and talking to his assistants. Like, Hey, if you're a bench guy, you need to be listening. And cause the way that I like to look at development is not season to season. It's freshman year when I step on campus to senior year when I leave campus. And in that time, you as a coach have that entire period to form as much as you can, all the things necessary for him to be a successful athlete. So starting at freshman year, getting that baseline of communication, starting to teach them what the game is. So that way, when they get to that, that junior year, senior year, they already know the game. They're like, coach, you've been teaching the game for two years. I got it. Like we've been doing the BP. We do the cages. We do all the physical events. Now I'm ready to take that next step and be ready to be mentally developed and be ready to successfully move on, uh, you know, in that direction. So you'll, you're never, ever going to get that, across the board in your program because it goes back to what you already said is is not every kid is going to choose that you i mean you can talk in you can talk to any coach anywhere and they'll tell i mean that what you're saying already happens like the kids who really understand that and they they want that and they crave that they're the ones that are going to go sit in the first seat on the back of the bus right next, you know, or the seat right behind the coach. They're going to be, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the coach in the dugout, not because anybody told them to, because that's where they want to be, because that's they that's they know that's where they need to be for what they want to get out of this. And then you're going to have the chicken fries at the back of the dugout, and, and they're comfortable just wearing the costume and and getting to tell the girls that they they're on the baseball team. And then that's you're you're never going to be able to get it throughout your entire program but 
but but you'll see that like the the, the kids that crave it and want it, they're already going to do that. They'll stay and talk to you after practice for thirty minutes just to talk about whatever. They'll they'll like I said, they'll buddy up to the best player on the team to see what they're doing. The, the annoying freshman who really wants to be good is going to seek out that senior who's a baller and just mimic what that guy does. I mean, those things already happen. Those things have happened forever. Um, I, and and I, I think everybody wants to find that that miracle cure to convince all 25, 35, 40, however many guys you have, that this is the secret sauce, but you're not going to. And so it's about – yeah, I mean, it's about you know you 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 sell it to them on the front end, and then kind of let them decide what you know what they want to be able to try to get out of it. Because, and I already said it, coaches have banged their heads on walls for decades trying to get, convince guys of the mental piece of it. But if they don't want it, there's really not anything you can do to get them to take it. You've well, let me ask you this. Well, no, no, stop there. Because guys, I will take it. Well, let me ask you this again. You got it. We got to change the status quo. So let me ask you this. What if a kid says he's not taking BP today? I'm okay with that. Okay. What if he shows up tomorrow? He's like, yeah, I'm not taking ground balls. Okay. Give me a, give me, right. if, 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 if they can give a, a, a you know, I think coaches have to be open-minded, but if they can, if you ask why and they've got a reason and, and it's you. It sounds good, and it it sounds plausible. Then okay, because ultimately, and I, I think I said this last week when we, when we talked, every individual is their own best teacher. Okay, you're going to learn the most from you diving into whatever subject, whatever material, whatever thing that you become interested in. And so as a teacher, and, and I'm a teacher, you know, I've been teaching for what, 14 or 15 years now. I know that all I can do for any kid is just maybe create that spark. Now, what they learn from it is because they take that spark and go on their own, you know, exploratory, you know, search of whatever content we're talking about. And so, you know, and, and, and I think, I think where, where baseball is evolving and the status quo is changing is I think you are seeing so many uh, coaches being comfortable now getting outside of the, the cookie cutter model where everybody's going to do the exact same thing every single day. Uh, I think you, you start to see a lot of that. You're seeing that. I mean, that's how education works now is, you know, a lot of different learning styles, a lot of different learning methods, a lot of different ways to grade a kid on if he knows the material or not. It's it's no longer just like, hey, take this test. Let's see what you know. Like, no, not, okay, maybe that kid's a bad test taker, but that kid can explain to you what we've taught him. And if you can just talk about it, then I can get you your grade for that. And I, you, I can tell that you know about 80% of what the curriculum says you need to know. So I can I can grade you different ways. And, and, and that – that we're seeing that more and more in in, in how we develop our guys, and, and it's not it's this is it's as individualized now as it ever has been. So sorry, let me rephrase my question then. If a kid makes three errors in back to back games and then tells you for a week he's not taking ground balls, what's your approach going to be? Because this is this is where I'm going with this is is I and the same thing that I told the guys and I 100% agree with you is that you have to want to learn in order to be effective to effectively learn but I also said with that if you're hitting 200 and you're clearly a, a mess mentally 
it's time for you. It's time for you to make a jump and to, uh, to make a recognition okay. of that. So okay, so I think you have to know you have to know where that kid is, and that's part of the relationship piece of it. Because is that kid not taking ground balls because he's taken so many, and now the, he's put so much pressure on himself that the thing that's going to help him the most is to step away a little bit, or is he is he shutting down mentally because he he's just he's over it now and he's frustrated. And he doesn't even care if he gets better anymore because the game is beating him. I, I think that's where how much you know about that kid and know about where that kid is mentally becomes the most important piece of everything that we do, because again, not all kids are the same. And so you can't just, you know, you can't just say that one answer is right for everybody. I mean, I think that uh, every coach will tell you that there's been times where, you know, some kids in an O for 20 and all he wants to do is hit, 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 hit. He wants to stay in the cage for three hours after a game. He wants, he wants the keys. He's like, coach, I'll lock up. I'm staying all night and hit. And you have to say, dude, put the bed down, go eat dinner with your girlfriend. You're not going to hit tomorrow. Don't even come. I don't even care if you come to practice, go, go to a movie or something, go hang out and get your mind out of this because all you're doing is making it worse, putting all your, your, you know, your negative, not negativity necessarily, but just the the stress and frustration. And you're not necessarily working to get better at that point. Now you're just working to relieve stress or frustration. And, and sometimes you, you have to, you've got to, you got to be able to get a read on a kid and know when I need to to take the glove off his hand. I need to, I need to take the bat out of his hand for, for a day or two and, and let him, you know, reset and get back to get back to neutral because man, they'll, they'll work themselves into a lather because for so many of them it is, it's so important. And they've been told and and their nature even tells them that, okay, if I want to get over this hump, I got to work even harder. I know one of my, a great friend of mine, a roommate in college got in a streak pitching where he was just getting shelled and he was getting shelled so much. And I mean, they started taking his innings away because he wasn't getting it done. And, and he used to go like on these long, long runs, like these 10, 15 mile runs. And he thought that like he needed to do it because he was getting shelled because he wasn't working hard enough. And so that's old school pitcher mentality is, hey, you just run forever, run forever. So he's like, I got to work harder. I got to work harder. So I got to go for this long run. I'm like, that's not, that's, that did nothing for you, except make you tired and give you shin splints. Like, you know, and so sometimes you have to, you have to, get them away from it to to get them recentered. Yeah, and, and again, this in my opinion, this goes back to the mental preparation of explaining and, and if you don't teach a guy any mental tools, anything you don't even build a relationship with them. If there's one thing any of these coaches can take away from this conversation is this, in my opinion, from my from my own experience in life or death situations and then my experience in Division One baseball is that having the mental preparation before a season, before a game, before anything like that and understanding what the possible outcomes are and giving it a good mental thought and just accepting the fact ahead of time. I mean, and, and the perfect example is this, you know, it, People might think negatively about this, but before I go on deployment, I always tell my guys, hey, I'm going to be honest with you guys right now. You need to accept right now, and it's best if your family can accept it, that you just might not come home. Like, you just need to kind of, we're, you know, we're going to, we have a long deployment ahead of us, six months, seven months, a year. Hey, I'm just letting you know there's a lot of stuff that could go wrong, and you just might not come home, right? And 
is the mental preparation of knowing that, hey, man, I could die should be about as similar as a guy saying, hey, I might not go D1. Like I might do four years or I might do this season and I might not go D1 or, or, Hey, you know, and then it goes down and I break it down even more. So it's like, Hey, you have a chance to die on this deployment. Then it goes down to like, Hey, what are all the things that can go wrong in this mission? Which is like a game thinking about all the things that could go wrong. I could go over four. I could do this. I could do that. All right. Well, what is going to be your mental stance on how we're going to overcome that? How am I going to teach myself? Or what do I think I'm going to do, even if I get no lessons, even if I never talk to a mental skills coach or sports psychologist or whatever, what do I think I'm going to do to be able to overcome this adversity of going 0 for 4? If you learn nothing, take away from this that having that mental preparation and that mental approach and understanding what you might go through is solely important. Uh, and and uh, Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to Creating that, it has to be created in, in low stress, usually much, you know, way out ahead of time. So it has time to, to marinate and percolate and do whatever it's got to do in the brain. But I, you said it before, and I love it, and I, I've never done it, and I really, I can't wait to do it this year because I'm about to be all about it. But really, when it comes time to start visualizing what's going to happen in the game, visualizing all the shit that could go bad and and how rotten can it be because oh my god i have spent a whole career in visualization visual visualization moments with kids about the success that they'll have you know imagine you know that all state three hole and and you go fastball to him and he can't get his bat off the shoulder, then you get him to foul it off and you jelly leg with the curve and you strike him out and think about how good it's gonna feel well no crap like we we train for the good stuff. All the training that we do is for the success. We don't have to create the the mindset of success anymore. Like we've done that. You you already you're already hoping that that happens. You've already if you're in this situation, you believe that you can be successful, and then you've done the 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 physical. And a lot of the the mental training to be successful, but mental training isn't about being successful. It's about getting yourself up real, real quick when you get jacked in the jaw. And and I've never done that. And and that's something that's about to. I can't wait to start telling that to kids because they're going to look at me with side eye like, hey, man, that first pitch you throw, think about how exciting it's going to be when that dude hits you, you know, 400 feet to dead center field. And that's how we start the game. And the look on their face is going to be just wonderful because they've ne- they're, they're not, they haven't thought that way. And because they haven't thought that way, then you get in a game and it happens. And then it's like, well, this is not what I thought was going to happen. And then, and then they can't pick up the pieces because now the game has spun out of control on them. And, so I think you you do nothing else than like you just said that create almost create you know in their visualization like the worst possible scenarios and I think when you hear like the best athletes of all time talk like a Michael Jordan Kobe Derek Jeter all these guys like their fear of all the bad stuff that could happen is what motivated them to go train at three in the morning or to, to do all the things that those guys did to be so great. And it wasn't about getting accolades. It wasn't about people being on their jock. It was about, I am so terrified of the stuff that could go bad that I'm going to do everything I can 
to make sure that that doesn't happen. And well, that's the second. That's my second selling point to the mental skills training. The first one was everybody admits baseball's you know seventy percent mental or more. You know why do we not train more? And then the second thing is look at scouts, look at anybody, look at coaches that are evaluating for the next level of of everything that you could do. Is no scout goes how's this guy acting when he when he's doing good. How's this guy acting when he hits three home runs in a game? No one cares how you're doing when you're successful. No one, no one's looking at you and seeing how you overcome. A scout wants to see how you overcome adversity after you strike out three times and what you're going to do after you make a couple of errors. A coach wants to see if you've got some grit, if you have the ability to do that. Well, how do you know how to do that if you've never mentally prepared for it? You're going out on the baseball field trying to wing it because no one has ever taught you or had you visualize failure, and you're absolutely right failure should drive and the worst case scenario should drive a lot of your motivation. I know I train my guys harder because I always told them if one of us dies, I don't want two of us to die. So when I'm thinking about somebody getting shot, I got to think about how I'm going to protect the rest of the group, how I'm going to overcome an ambush, how I'm going to fight through the enemy. But I have to mentally prepare for all of those terrible, terrible contingencies in order to set myself up for success to make sure that when it does happen, I know what I'm going to do. I do the same thing with my kids in a grocery store. Hey, if there's an active shooter in this grocery store, how am I getting my family out of here? Oh, what did I just do? I just thought about the worst case scenario for my day. And then I thought about what I'm going to do. So that way, when it does happen, I know that I'm going out the back exit next to produce section. I'm not going out the front door with a active shooter standing. Like I've got to have that kind of approach, the same approach that I have in the mental preparation and the mental aspect of the baseball game. And that is what's going to set me up for success and not catch me off guard. Hey man, you hit a home run. That's great. But I knew that could happen. I knew, I already knew that that was a possibility. I knew that that fastball might leak a little bit and guess what it did. And you hit it over the fence, but guess what? Watch what I'm about to do to you and your brothers. I'm about to crush you guys for the next five innings. Here we go. Like being able to do that sets guys up in my opinion tenfold over anybody that does not look at the negative and mental preparation of what can happen in a ball game that's it it's so easy to say it no you know what it is and i think again what it comes down to is practice right and again when you're a father and you're uh you know a you know a husband or whatever and you start having kids and 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 all this stuff you start realizing you know protecting is a big part of your life right and so i think this should be something that everybody does right you're constantly finding what's the worst thing, case that could happen to me right now uh and then how am i going to combat that as a man to protect my family or as a woman to protect my family or whatever it's the same thing you need to be doing on the baseball field and athletics is how do i protect my team Hey, I just struck out. That's great. I knew I could strike out. It's baseball. That, that, that's a probability. Now, what am I going to do now on the next step bat to make my team successful? How am I going to go make a play on defense to make my team successful? I always got to be – I'm thinking about the negatives, but I'm thinking about the positive within sure. the negative. Right. So, again, it comes down yeah, – I look to it because yeah, handling success – might be the easiest thing in the world to do. So why do we, we don't need to spend any time thinking about that. 
Because, right. yeah, how are we going to handle success? We're going to freaking love it. It's going to be wonderful. It's awesome. Like, I don't need – that's it. It's over. Yeah, so, this is great. Yeah. Any more time thinking about how we're going to handle success. But again, too, and, and why I say this requires so much preparation is that you get faster with your checklist. Hey, between each pitch, you can go through your checklist of things that just happened and things that I'm going to do to correct it. Same thing in the field. Hey, man, what am I going to do with the ball? Sit to my left, sit to my right, hit above me, hits me so fast, it just hits my stomach and it goes down. Where am I going with the ball? What am I doing? If the runner's here, if the runner's there, if the ball's there, if the ball's there. What now I just, I created this checklist that I'm so subconsciously good at cycling through very quickly, whether it be between pitches or between innings or whatever. And now I don't have that, that pressure of doing it, you know, in the moment when I've never prepared for it. So again, start now, get ahead of it, get in, get in front of your guys, explaining to them, visualizing the failures, finding ways that they're going to use. And then if they, if you ask them in their visualization time, say, Hey man, you just gave up a home run. What are you going to do to recover from that? And if they don't have an answer, say, hey, man, do you want do you want some help in identifying some answers? Then you just open another door showing them like, oh, yeah. shoot, I just I identified a weakness that I have. That's just another way that I can now weasel my way in as a coach to getting them to be more willing to want to learn more about the mental approach. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Well, another great episode. Uh a little bit deeper, a little bit more of a you know topic for this one. I think, again, I I, I still believe this is obviously you got to be physically prepared, and and I and I will always attest to you got to be physically prepared with the game in order to attack the mental approach. You guys but, are going to do that. You guys are going to do that because that's what we give ninety five percent of the time to. It's going to yeah, inherently right. happen, right? But if I can break down that a little bit and find ways to influence the guys, and and it, like I said, if you can just do five percent a month of your of your practice plan or you know 10% of your week or whatever it is you know that accumulates to a lot of time uh, that you're dedicating to the mental game and it's going to set you and your guys up for success in the future and um, you know again if anybody that has questions on this kind of stuff anybody that that you know needs you know more information or wants more information or wants us to come out and talk to them or do zoom calls or whatever, you know, like I, I, we're fired up and excited to be able to kind of do this kind of stuff. And, and it's so important to be able to, again, it goes back to that question is this, if a coach is a little bit insecure because he doesn't know how to teach the mental game, that's okay. Like reach out, you know, find a way to, to educate yourself and, and, you know, we're always here and, and, and ready to help out. Yep. All right. Well, another great episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, again, mental approach, train it, prepare for it, get your guys involved in it. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. And we hope you guys all stay safe and, and have a great fall and preseason. Go get them.